Hey, Tristan, how you doing? Doing really good, Zach. How are you? I'm good. So uh, you are in Australia right now. You are literally across the world. Yeah, from, from Ohio, definitely uh, on the other side. If I, I probably couldn't get any farther before I started coming back. I guess so. Um, That's so true. Yeah. But yeah, I live uh, in Brisbane, Australia uh, currently. Um, and um, yeah, it's been a big uh, journey to, to officially say that I, I live here and I've moved here. Um, and all credit obviously goes to God the Father. Um, but yeah, dude, I guess we could dive into how all of this happened in this podcast. Yeah. So first, I just want to say real quick, um, I honestly can't remember how we met other than it was 99% chance on Instagram. Uh, yeah. We probably followed the same Instagram profile. I don't know what, which one it would be, but there's several that are like um, directed towards like skateboarders who are Christian. So I'm assuming uh, that's probably where. And um, so your name is Tristan Strange also known as, through Instagram, Tristan the Christian Skater. Also, yeah. an awesome name for Instagram. It makes me a lot of friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was, uh, in some ways, introduced to you also by uh, a guy that I call a friend of mine. We're not super close, but I've met him multiple occasions, and we stay in contact. He's one of the best dudes I've ever known. Uh, his name is Tom Rohr. Uh, yeah. And he is, I mean, he's basically a professional skateboarder. Like, he really could be. Uh, he's so, so, so good at skating. Very yeah, talented. As, as far as somebody that I've ever seen in person skate, he's probably the best person I've ever skated in person. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, I was talking to him, and uh, I, I probably was mentioning, it was months ago. It was la actually, it was almost a year ago, because... It was, I remember where I was working and the job that I was doing, I was doing it about a week before the lockdowns or like the quarantine started. So like we knew the coronavirus was coming our way, but like we had no idea like how it was going to affect us yet. Mm. That's, that's besides the point. I'm just more referencing like the time frame of when I, I like, I've heard your story before. Um, yeah. I get your story here firsthand. But I, he sent me a podcast that you were on. Can you refresh my memory what podcast it was? Yeah, I'm not actually sure which one he sent you. I've been on a few. It wasn't one story. It was the other one. It was the radio show. Oh, yeah. So I was on Restore Radio. That, that was kind of the interview that I did that really blew up. Um, I got onto a Christian like there's a, a Christian skateboard ministry out of Tampa, Florida called Restore Skate Ministries. And the, the three guys who um, who put that on, they're like really epic dudes. And I messaged them and I was like, can I come on your, your podcast and share my testimony? And um, they said they, they said yes. And uh, yeah, like I got on to their podcast and that was probably the first time that I, I shared my testimony at length in a way that... Um, yeah, just really encouraged the listener um, in, in, in their faith, uh, which is definitely one of the um, appropriate responses, I guess, to hearing a story like that. 
Um, and that's, I think that's why it kind of blew up and people all over the place. I was just getting messages from people just like, Oh my gosh, dude, like I just heard your podcast. And that was one, that was like a message from you. you you sent me a message like, yeah. Hey man, I just heard your podcast and it was so crazy. And like, you know, like it was, yeah, that, that's kind of one of the great things about doing, uh, like taking advantage of opportunities like this is just, uh, people, people hear it and people are encouraged and, and they, it, it grows them in their faith and it challenges them to ask God for more, which is ultimately, you know, that's what I definitely would want out of anybody to hearing the story. Yeah. So when I listened to it, I believe it was in two parts, maybe three, but I think two. Uh, yeah, it was two, it was two parts. It was super long. Super but long. it was really good. Like it kept my attention the entire time and not yeah really good but it was almost unbelievable and i don't mean it as in like i didn't i didn't believe in it or that i didn't believe what you were saying i 100 percent believe what you said and like you know we're going to get into it but i kind of want to hype up this story because it it's insane like you got to australia in just an like i almost said in an australian way in an amazing way and um so anyways, like, I kind of want to start from the beginning. So you live in Australia now, but where, where are you from? Where were you born? I was born in Orlando, Florida. And I've never been so proud to be from somewhere. I, I, I love telling people I'm from Orlando. I had a great upbringing. You know, like, I grew up in a family of four kids. And I'm, I'm the, I have an older sister. And then there's me. And I have two younger brothers. Uh, now, like a, a third younger brother that was adopted, uh, or yeah, like adopted a couple years ago. Um, and so I just grew up in a family of six. Um, and I feel like my childhood was just all about having fun. And like, you know, we went to Disney World and then we went to Universal Studios and we went to Wet and Wild and then we would take a break from the theme parks and we would go to the beach. Or, you know, my dad, we, when I grew up, we had a van skate park um, in Orlando in one of the malls. It was pretty much a replica of the, of the, the, the one they have in Orange County, California. Wow. They built one in Orange, Orange County, Florida. They built one. And, like, my dad, he worked in the same mall that they had. You know, he's, like, a regional manager for this. Like, it was called Monkey Joe's, which is just, like, this big inflatable playground. And he was like a regional manager of a few different stores. So every Saturday he would take me to that mall where he had to work. And I was like hopping between skateboarding at this really awesome skate park and then hopping over into Monkey Joe's where there's 25 foot slides, like inflatable slides and stuff. And when I think about my childhood, I just think about like, I'm not clouded with pain or I'm not clouded with like bad memories. I'm just clouded with like, I just become ultra thankful for my parents and the way that they brought me up like in church and like with an appreciation for Christian values and like, yeah, dude, like no bitterness at all there, which is, I think a huge part of uh, who God made me to be now, which is somebody who just sees the best in everybody and like gives everybody, you know, like just the, I, I'm not really sure how to say it, but like, I just have a, I try and bring the best out of everybody I meet. And I think that that is something that is almost like a gift. Like just walk up to somebody with a big smile and it's like, 
before I even know that person, they've already made me smile. And I think that does something to somebody, you yeah. know, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. That makes 100% sense. It does. Uh, yeah. Skateboarding is a big part of your, your story. I'm curious when yeah. you start skateboarding. Oh, brother. I have no idea. Like, I think I was too early to remember things when I was started skateboarding. You know, there's like photos of me on my like, it would be like my second, like my second Christmas, which is like, I was born in March of 1996. So like, I don't know, the Christmas of 1997, I, I had a little skateboard and there's me and I'm like, I'm like standing with like, you know, you can stand on the tail and you have one foot in the air. I'm like, yeah. I probably barely knew how to stand, but there's pictures of me just kind of standing in, in my PJs in front of the Christmas tree, like, Whoa! which was, um, yeah, so I've been skating a long time, dude. And I think, like, um, I'm really thankful for that. You know, some days I'll take a slam and I'll go, I hate skateboarding. Yeah. But ultimately, like, I think skateboarding is one of the, the healthiest things that I have in, like, and it, it's something that I've been building without knowing I was building on for, I guess, my whole life, you know? And there's a social aspect of skateboarding that I was good at before I even knew I was good at it or it even existed, you know? When I was eight years old going to the van skate park, I wasn't scared, like, to be dropped off there by myself. I was like, everybody's here skating and everyone's trying to get better. Like, we're all friends. And I would just go to the biggest kid there or to the smallest kid or whoever i just go up to anybody and be like how's it going and i think that was a gift i don't know if that was something i learned or if that was something i was born with but it felt like i had the ability to go up to anybody and like we were going to be friends um and yeah i think that's like uh like i understand that's definitely hard for people like to make new friends but for myself, that was something that came so easily to me, which now I use on a weekly basis, daily basis to make new friends. Every time I go to a skate park, I make a new friend. And now it's with the intention of building a relationship where they can see that, you know, Christ is real and the Holy Spirit wants to change their their hearts and their lives. And like, that's kind of the end. Like, to, to build relationships, you have to be able to make friends. And I think that was something God gave me very early on. I, uh, I can relate to that. Um, I feel like it's easy for me to talk to people, even people I don't know. Like you and I talked for the first time, like quote unquote, face to face through FaceTime, basically like yeah. half three weeks ago. And I felt like, I just felt very comfortable. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel like that with a lot of people, and I, I have to use that for my, my business. I talked a lot of yeah. that I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I, I can relate to that. Definitely. Yeah, skateboarding has definitely always been a part of my life, and I'm thankful for, for it, you know. I've been injured uh, from skateboarding. Uh, when I was doing an internship, I, like, I was hucking it off this four block, and I like tore my ACL and had to get surgery. And I was like, I'm never jumping off anything again. And yeah, pretty much since that day, I haven't. I've just become, I've, I've set my street abilities down. I don't want to do gaps. I don't want to do stairs. I'll just skate transitions and rails and ledges. And yeah, 
and so far it's worked out for me. I uh, I have a again a similar scenario. It was probably eight years ago now, maybe maybe seven. I was trying to tray flip or three sixty flip down a six stair, and like oh, I yep. do it, and I I had never done it before, at least down a six, and uh, I finally landed it. But when I landed, somehow I rolled my ankle, but so bad that I dislocated it, and uh, I I like I fell and rolled, and I grabbed my foot because I saw that it was like twisted, like it wasn't moving back to normal, and I grabbed. Yeah get back into place and like oh. no joke for the next month up to my knee my whole leg was like black and blue just from like hitting the ground so hard and just like the trauma to it and uh i still jump down stuff every now and then like i don't i don't do anything crazy like i do it every now and then just to remind myself that i can do it but yeah i kind of just stick to uh boxes and ledges and and rails and just technical stuff i don't I don't really mess with jumping down things anymore. Yeah, too old for that. That's a young yeah, I'm, 20, man. I'm 27, and uh, in the skateboarding world, I'm an old man, so I just got to do what I can while I still have the time. So. Yeah, I think things are changing, bro. Yeah. Things are changing. So anyway, um, you mentioned you grew up in a Christian household and Christian values were instilled into you. Did you continue those on when you were kind of at an age where you could start making your own decisions on your own or did you stray away from that? What did that look like? Yeah. Yeah, man. I think the older I got, the more involved in, in the youth group I got, um, in middle school, the youth pastor, you know, he took me under his wing and I, I remember like, I don't want to say anything negative, about the youth pastor, he was like an epic dude. But I remember after he left, people saying things like, you know, he only cared about a couple of kids and like he, he didn't really invest in everybody. He only invested in a few people. And I remember my mom telling me that and she was like, well, I don't have any complaints because one of the few kids he invested in was Tristan. So I, I, I always felt like, oh, that was really cool. And the youth, the middle school pastor really cared about me. And then we got this new youth pastor who I still talk to today, like his name's Jesse Campbell. And he's just like one of the most influential people like I've ever had in, in my life. Um, and he just really uh, inspired me to, to, to take hold of my faith. So, you know, like kind of my, my ninth, my eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th grade years were just like always at the youth group, always at the church events, loving it living for God, really like owning that. And then, yeah, dude, just kind of things, uh, I think in my, my summer before my 12th grade, like I got tempted to try, you know, just, um, I just got tempted to try like weed and I did. And then it was like, oh man, like maybe I can keep this a secret and still have all the responsibilities at the church or, you know, like, and that's just like, as I've learned that never, ever works, you know, like secrets, dude, it's like the, I don't know, man, you see it in kids cartoons, like the, like Larry boy, he, you know, and, and the, the rumor weed and he like lies and it sprouts this weed 
and then he tries to cover it up and then more weeds sprout and then before you know at the end of the episode it's like this giant weed and it's terrorizing the city and he has to go and like destroy it with truth and it was it was like that dude you know like like the bible says sin leads to death and it's just like what's the the death isn't necessarily your heart stopped beating but it could be the death of your you know like the death of your ministry or the death of your relationship um, absolutely the death of your relationships and and you know i experienced that when i was younger in high school but i don't think i processed it fully and like i went into college just kind of like still involved in college ministry but very much just trying to kick it with one foot over here and one foot over here and and yeah dude it doesn't really yeah it doesn't really um uh it doesn't work and you're not effective and you're not really growing in your relationship with god even though you feel like you might be doing the right things i was going to bible study twice a week at at two different churches but what I'm doing outside of that time, like is taking away from everything that I'm getting inside, inside of that time, um, spiritually. So I kind of, for a lot, for, yeah, like, uh, maybe like 18 to 19, I really kind of, um, didn't see the damage I was causing to myself. And, and one day I realized, like, I think I kind of realized the weight of what I had done and, and I felt like, okay, God, I want to live for you 100%. And like, I wasn't doing much, you know, I was going to community college, studying international business, failing out, because I'm not paying much attention to my classes. I was so focused on um, becoming a professional longboarder. Like, that was like my thing. When I finished high school, all of a sudden, it was just like, I became obsessed. I was up at six in the morning. I was driving an hour away to the only hill in Florida. Like Florida is so flat. It's a bad place to become yeah. a longboarder. But I just became so obsessed with it. And I became so immersed in the scene. I felt like I knew everybody in Florida who longboarded. And you know, I had their respect. And I was like talking to these different sponsors and going to these events and doing well at the events. And then like my, my ambition was to become a pro. And that was very selfish. You know, it had nothing to do with, with God or my mission or using the gifts he had given me. It was just like, I'm going to bring all the glory to myself. I want people to know how good of a longboarder I am. And like, I guess like I, I'm, I'm pretty past that, you know, like, and I look back at it now and I'm like, that seems a bit silly, but at the same time, like that was my ambition and I worked really hard at it. And I was making things happen. Um, and I kind of had this kind of a, a moment of clarity when I, I went to this, pa- it was called the Passion Conference, and which yeah. happens in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I went there, dude, and I heard, it's funny because the, the, the pastor, you know, there's world-class pastors, John Piper, Louis Giglio, you know, just like all these huge names. Francis Chan was there. And like, I remember just like, there's one lady named Christine Kane, who's like this Australian lady. And she talked about how, you know, she talked about um, Hebrews 12, where it talks about there's a great cloud of witnesses and we need to shake off every weight and every chain and run this race, you know, like we were always meant to. And, and, and she talked about selfish ambition and, and, and it clicked. It was just like, 
all of my ambition is selfish and everything I am trying to accomplish is only to glorify myself or to, you know, to puff up my ego and to make myself feel better about what I'm doing, which what I'm doing, like I could be a pro longboarder and have a foot in both worlds, but it was time to, to get off the fence and really just lean into Christ and lean into his ways. And when I started to do that, dude, everything really changed. You know, I went from being a local from Orlando, Florida to just like, I don't know, man, just God using me in ways I could have never, ever, ever dreamed of. And God giving me a story that I could have never imagined, I guess. So you're in college, you're trying yeah. to become a longboarder. Did you, so did you at any point stop longboarding once you kind of came to that conclusion of like, wow, I'm doing this all for myself. I'm trying to uh, raise myself up for others to see. And like, like you said, you wanted everyone to see how good you were and whatnot. Like, did you stop longboarding then or did you continue? Like, where did that go? This was the time of my life where Tristan the Christian Skater was born. <laughs> okay. I was born again, if you if you'll if you'll accept that. Um, yeah. no, no, like um yeah, I really was in a place where my relationship with God had been refreshed and I wanted to figure out what my calling was. That was, you know, as a young adult, you're kind of late youth group, early college ministry. And I mean, if your church is lucky, if you're lucky enough that your church has a college ministry, which I was. Um, and the, you know, like the, a lot of the messages seem to just be about calling and what, what's your calling going to be? And, you know, and, and I was just trying to figure it out. And my calling wasn't what everybody else's was. I was the only skateboarder in my entire church. You know, growing up from being five years old, eight years old, to all the way through youth group, it was not uncommon for me to just be walking around a church on a Sunday morning, like with a skateboard. Whether I had spent the night at a friend's house, and then we went to church the next morning, and I had my backpack with my clothes and my skateboard, like, I, I'm sure people at my church would be like, yeah, that's just a skateboard kid. And they didn't probably didn't think too much of me, but when we talked about calling and we talked about um, what God was going to use us for and what our gifts were, I was always like, I want to go on mission to the skate parks. And yeah, like uh, I wasn't aware of skateboard ministry in any kind of sense. Like I did grow up on, there was a man in my church named Tim Fake, And he, uh, growing up, he had a, a skate park, an indoor skate park in, in our, in our city um, called Fort Barrichell. And it was just a skate park, and every Wednesday or Friday night uh, changed throughout the years, but they would open up the park for free, and but you had to like do the Bible study and go to the small group. Um, so in that aspect, I had been exposed to skateboard ministry, but it didn't, like I wasn't thinking like that, or it didn't click for me that that was what skateboard ministry means. Because um, they didn't skateboard, the guys who own the park, like, they were just like, they had a big card for the kids who were skateboarding. Um, so, yeah, like, I remember 
yeah, like realizing that, you know, this whole international business degree isn't really like a part of my calling and it's costing me a lot of money. So I just, I went and I dropped my classes and I didn't go back the next semester. And there was one time where I should have been in class, but I was home and I was doing a big like clean. And sometimes like cleaning can be really therapeutic. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. And I'm in my room and I'm cleaning and I'm going through the, like the top shelf of my closet, which that's, you're deep into it. If you're actually digging into the top shelf of your closet, looking at that stuff, you know, yeah. you're in a real reflective, you're, you're looking for something I feel yeah. like. And um, so I'm up there and I pull down this box that just has kind of like keepsakes and in, inside of it was this DVD that I had, which it was actually the only skateboarding DVD that I ever watched or ever had as a kid and it was called living it so i like pull this dvd out and it's called living it and it's put on by like stephen baldwin he produced it and like so he produced it and like judd Heald was in it and you know like dude i'm drawing a blank but you know there's it was a big crew of skateboarders and bmxers um and they were living yeah yeah they were, they were living it for jesus and like Instantly since then, like I saw Judd Heald do a backflip out of a bowl when I was a kid, like he does a backflip out of a bowl. And I just remember being like, that's the craziest thing. And like, I kept that video um, and I pulled it out and I put it in the DVD player that day when I found it and I'm watching it. And like, you know, all the parts are really cool, but what really caught my interest was the very opening scene where Stephen Baldwin it's, you hear like a dial tone, like an old school dial tone and it rings. And he's like, he he's answering. He, he doesn't pick up whoever he's calling doesn't pick up. He gets a voicemail and he just explains the vision of what he's trying to do with this video. It's like, Hey man, we're trying to get a crew together. We're going to travel around for 10 days um, in the Portland area down in California. And we're going to be, you know, just living it for Jesus. And we're making the video so people can see that like, anybody can live it for Jesus. And that I remember like a couple of weeks previously, like, you know, I'm, I'm in this time where I'm trying to figure out what my calling is. And then I see that. And I remember saying out loud, that's the dream. Like, that's what, that's what I want to do. And it clicked like skateboard, like ministry using a skateboard to reach people for God, like living it in that way. Like, those kids at the skate park, they don't see people living it for Jesus. That someone coming to a skate park and blatantly living it for Jesus is about as is about as common as a pro skater just coming to your skate park. You know, like that doesn't happen. So yeah. I think like it, it, that's like a significant day for a kid. If a, if any pro skater, it could be their least favorite pro skater. If that if that guy came to their local skate park and skated that would be so memorable for them. So in the same sense, if somebody came to their park and they were so unashamed, boldly telling people about Jesus and the goodness that he brings, it's, it's just as memorable for them. You know, they're always like, think about that day when there was that guy who came and he skated well and he wanted to share with us. And like all of those thoughts and emotions kind of, came straight into my head and I, it blew me away. I was just like, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. So from then on, it was just trying to figure out 
how I can do this and what it's going to look like for me. And, um, Oh, I actually, this is like a really rad part of the testimony, man. Like I think after discovering this, I'm, I Google skateboard ministries and, and only a few come up and I email them and I say, hi, I want to, you know, just want some information about how I can be involved in skateboard ministry, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of them didn't get back to me. And then uh, I, I had a friend and his family moved to Utah. So they were, they were, they moved to Utah as missionaries to the Mormons. So I called them up and I was like, look, I want to become a missionary to this in the skate parks. And I want to reach people for Christ in the skate parks. And they're like, well, we have a, a couple skate parks around us locally. Like you can come out and we can find you a job and you can live with us. And this was like my best friend's parents. So, you know, how that relationship is with your best friend's parents, like they, they care about you. So they were willing yeah. to let me come out and stay with them. So I was really excited and I just started getting ready to move to Utah. And so for the next, say it again. So what age were you at this point? Yeah, I was probably 18. Okay. 18. Yeah. I was probably late. This was probably February and I turned 19 in March. So I was like right about to turn 19 and I'm, I'm telling everybody I'm going to Utah and I was going to leave in, in April and this is happening. And like, you know, April comes and I'm, it's like Sunday night and I'm supposed to leave on Wednesday to drive to Utah from Orlando, which is like three or four days. Like it's a, it's, I've never been that far away from home. I've never driven that far by myself. You know, I was, I was pretty like, like that part didn't scare me. What scared me was the pressure of starting a ministry by myself. Yeah. So, um, I remember praying on a Sunday night and, and I just, I, I said to God, like a really honest prayer, like, God, I don't want to fail. I don't want to make you look bad. I, if I'm going to go to Utah, I want it to, to work out. And I want it to, you know, like glorify you. And if there's, if, if you feel like I don't have enough experience to go to Utah, Lord, like, please let me have an, ex let me gain experience, you know? Um, and then that night I like sent out an email to those same ministries that I found on Google. I sent one to, to Mike Steinkamp and I sent one to Ride Nature, which Ride Nature was a, a skateboard ministry in South Florida. Okay. Um, I didn't, I didn't know a lot about them. I just, I'd seen their website, but I, I sent an email to them and I said, here's an update. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm moving to Utah this week. And I was just wondering if you could, you just tell me a little bit about your, how you started the skate ministry. Cause I'm going there to start one. And then, yeah, dude, they, they called me the next morning. Uh, the two, the two leaders of ride nature, Mark and Ethan. And they were just like, Hey bro, you know, you're moving to Utah next, like in a couple days, like you're asking for experience. Like we actually just had an intern drop out for our summer internship do you want to come and be an intern with us? And then at the end of the summer, at the end of the three months, you can go and um, go like move to Utah and start your ministry. So you have a little bit of experience. So I was like, this is obviously an answered prayer and I would love to absolutely like, so yeah, like um, on that same week, like Sunday, I prayed for experience and then Wednesday, Instead of driving to Utah, I drove three hours south and I went to, to join the, the crew at Ride Nature. But the, I think the catch was that like 
on Monday, they said, well, look, the internship starts this week and we're going to Puerto Rico at the end of the week. Can you send me $200? Uh, because we all want to be on the same flight. And I remember just looking at my bank account and only really having like $250. You know, I did not have much. Um, I was planning to like get a job when I got to Utah. So uh, basically how it had you left yet? Had you driven down there yet with, with them saying they want to go there? That was on the first phone call. That was okay. on the first phone call. So on the first phone call, I just went, yeah, all right. And I sent them the money. And then two days later, I moved down there. And then two days after that, we flew to Puerto Rico. And then Saturday night, we, we put on this contest in an indoor skate park in Rincon, which is the west side of Puerto Rico which is like actually where my mom's family's from and where my both of my great grandmas had houses there. Like that's wow. where my family's from, dude. And like, I'm in the skate park and they just kind of like on the drive over there, they're like, all right, one of us has to share the gospel tonight. Uh, and I was like, I'll do it. Like, so I, I am up there all of a sudden, like the contest ends and we're about to give stuff out. And I get up there with one of the local pastors as, as a translator and I just got up there and I just shared a good word. Like I shared the gospel to the best of my ability, dude. And I felt like in that moment, time kind of paused in my head at least. And I, and I felt like God was like, you know, on Sunday night, six days ago, you prayed for experience in skateboard ministry. And here you are in another country six days later uh sharing the gospel with like it's not about numbers it was probably like 150 to 200 people like because it was yeah. raining outside so everybody just came inside and like yeah dude it was it was a surreal moment before correct right at least in that not, definitely not in that context no so yeah. it was one of those moments where i just saw God's power, like to answer prayers and to go, okay, I did not have the means to be here right now, but I'm here and God made that happen. So whatever God says, whether I have the means or not, I'm going to follow and I am going to, yeah, like trust him to, to go where he calls me to go. Um, you know, little did I know how far he would call me in the future, but it right. seemed like a pretty good practical example. So that um, that three months that I interned with them was was really like um, it was jam packed with a lot of stuff, a ton, a ton, a ton of hard work, a ton of humility, and a lot of patience. But we did like weekly Bible studies where I learned how to just kind of build relationships, get the guys to show up and do Bible studies. We did three different skate parks a week. So three different Bible studies, three different skate parks. Um, and that was like really, it was really awesome, man. At the end of the three months, I didn't want to leave. I felt like I had everything I could have ever dreamed of. Like we lived upstairs with like all of our, like we, had, we were all so close. We lived upstairs and downstairs. We had just like finished remodeling a surf skate coffee shop that we were about to open. So like, how much of a dream, like how much better can it get realistically, you know? 
But I remember sitting on the balcony one night and God just told me that was like my, going to be my launching point. And I was praying about where, where the heck am I supposed to go? I don't want to go anywhere. And um, I remember we took this two week trip to Washington, DC and we, it was two weeks in the van, dude. It was so uh, crusty is probably the, probably the most apt description. Um, and during that trip, I remember praying and saying, God, I'm going to send, like trying to figure out what I'm going to do after the three months. They, they had offered me to stay for a whole year. They wanted me to make a year commitment, but I wasn't sure. So I said, God, I'm going to send a message to five, 10 different ministries asking them if they need an internship. And if they do, I'll join them. And if they don't, I'm staying where I'm at. And once I, uh, yeah, like once I did that, man, like that's when things really changed because I thought I could play God, not like play God as in play the character, but kind of like, you know, pull one over on him because I wanted to stay. I sent Christian skaters, China, Christian skaters, Brazil, Christian skaters, Denmark, Christian skaters, like all these places that I was even betting they, they didn't even speak English. Like I was hoping they were going to leave me on red. And, and I kind of came up with these terms and conditions like, God, if I'm going to, if, if two of them say that they need help, I'm staying here. If nobody answers, I'm staying here. If one of them says they need help, then that's where I'll go. Uh, and then like probably not even two minutes after I sent a message, the same message that I sent to everyone else to Christian skaters, central coast, um, I get a message back. Hey, Hey, Tristan, this is actually really crazy that you're messaging us right now. Um, this morning in my prayer time, I was reminded of this Facebook page and this ministry we used to run. We haven't had a skateboard ministry in three years on the central coast and we were yeah like looking to fill that position so we've started a church which is why we've stopped our ministry but if you want to come join our church you can restart um the skateboard ministry and like help run our youth group and like we can give you a job at our church and you can stay with us so it was like they'd offered me a job and they'd offered me a place to stay and a skate ministry that would be like my own and yeah, dude, it just seems too good to be true. You know, it just seemed like I'm praying. I've come up with these terms and conditions and here we are like not even like a hundred seconds after sending the message, this guy responds with a package deal. So he asked me when I could come and I said January, which was like, it was probably, it was August. So it was like six months from then. So I just told him, yeah, I'll come January, 2017 and I'll start help you start the ministry back up um which zach like that's when i really feel like i was in over my head because i then went to the computer to see where the central coast was thinking it's like i honestly thought it was in north carolina i don't know why it just seemed like somewhere that would be in north carolina like the central coast because it's yeah. like the central central east coast that's what i was thinking yeah yeah dude it wasn't it was the central coast of New South Wales, which was Australia. And it was a moment of like, okay, like I didn't, 
feel like I had the means to go to Puerto Rico and God called me and I trusted him and it happened. And now I feel called. I don't have the means. Is this going to happen? And, and during that six months, bro, like I just had to trust, you know, anything is possible. If like what's po- what's impossible with man, it's possible with God. And that was like the Bible verse that I was telling myself every day, like, God, this is impossible for me. If, if you got to make this happen. And he did in a lot of great ways. And he blessed a lot of things that I did. And um, like I'd never painted before. And I had the like, I don't know, inspiration to start painting broken skateboards. And then I just like put them up for people to buy. And people just started buying them like hotcakes. Like all of a sudden, like from like buying paint supplies to buying a plane ticket with the money I made from selling my art was like a month. You know, like in a month, I made over like $12,000. No, not $12,000. Oh, my God. No, no, no. I wish I was that good, dude. No. I made like $1,200 just selling my art in in like such a short amount of time that it's like God's blessing is the only explanation for that. So, yeah, man, It, it it was a crazy ride just figuring out how God led me to be in Australia, man. It was it was truly like. I got to some points where I'm like, I actually am not qualified to say that I don't believe in God anymore. I've seen him do too many things, you know? I've seen him do too many things and lead me in too many ways for me to, like, deny him like that or deny his existence. Yeah, and so you were, like, you weren't even, like, you were, you were putting things out there. And like you said, it was it was under your the your terms and conditions kind of and i yeah. say this is like entering the humor of god he was kind of saying all right like i'll i'll answer to your terms and conditions but uh they will be with my terms and conditions and so yeah. you are now like you get this opportunity to go to australia so did you end up taking the opportunity and, and go yes yeah, I did, man. Like, it was uh, it was pretty insane because I I kind of fundraised. I sold T-shirts as well. Um, yeah, the viewers can't see right now. Whatever they do, hear this, but uh, and not to cut you off, but I saw a post that you made where you're like, "Hey, I'm selling these T-shirts." On the back, it's uh, I can't see it right now because it's on my back, but I think it's a picture of Jesus. He's holding a skateboard, and it says, "Thou shalt skate." And uh, yeah. I loved the shirt, and I also loved that uh, you were trying to get to Australia through. You were trying to raise money for. Uh, yeah. I, I believe going to Australia, and I and I bought a T-shirt. Yeah. So I yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, man. Um, the first shirts that I made on the front, they said, "Pray for Strange," um, which was just like. Pray, pray for me, bro. Like, pray for me. Pray for Strange. That's my last name. And then on the back, like, I had, um, like, a piece of my artwork um, on the back. And then it said Acts 1-8, which Acts 1-8 is, like, the story where Paul, he goes to this community, and he shares the gospel with them. And they're a super intellectual community. And um, they say to him, like, we hear these strange things that you're telling to us. And we want to know more. 
So like that's like one of the only times you hear the word strange in the Bible. And it's when Paul has gone to this new place, shared the gospel, and they want to know more. So like, you know, I was just like, I really like that. So I put it, that was the verse that was on the first batch of shirts. And and the second batch of shirts, like thou shalt skate, it really like exemplified my calling. It's just like I'm called from the Lord. And 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 he has and, and Jesus has sunglasses like in the in the picture. Thou shalt skate, and it's like Jesus is cooler than a lot of people think, you know. So, um, and your story is living proof of that. I mean, this is your yeah. story up to this point so far is really cool. I mean, it's extremely interesting. So, what happens yeah. in Australia? Yeah, well, I went to Australia, and basically, like. Everything's set up, bro. Like I'm about to get on this plane and go. I'm I'm less than two days away. I was really like banking on selling my car so I would have some money. Because in that time, like I, I mentioned earlier, I tore my ACL. Right. That was right as I left Ride Nature. So in the six months that I had to prepare to move across the world, I was also like had total knee reconstruction and was trying to heal up from that and paying for re like like physical therapy and that kind of stuff. So, did you have to um, pay out of pocket, or were you under your parents' insurance? Uh the surgery was like on my parents' insurance, but like a lot of I had to pay out of pocket for physical therapy, which like I had limited resources, so it definitely drained me. So, yeah, um, I didn't have much money. I really needed to sell my car, and I ended up not selling it. Um, and there's it was like two days before I get on the plane to move to Australia. In the car that I should have already sold, um, I'm putting gas in it to get home from work. And I had like the, the meter stops, like the pump stops. And I go into my mobile banking app and I have negative 25 cents. And I'm just like, how I like had a moment, you know, like, how am I supposed to go across the globe like this? Like, is this trying to, I guess, like, find the difference between extreme faith and stupidity you know like a lot of people would say that's stupid you know you need to be more prepared than this um but i just like it can't get any worse right and i remember like pulling out of the gas station and my phone like lights up and it's a message from john which is the guy in the central coast who sent me the original message and uh, i was like i'll look at it when i get home and i pull into my driveway and I look at the message and it says, hey, Tristan, I, I regret to inform you or something like that. You know, like, I'm sorry to have to say our church wants to go in a different direction and we don't want to start a skate ministry anymore. We, we want to go, you know, like we want to use our funds for other things. And uh, instead of, you know, staying with us for a year and like working for us, we're actually you can only stay with us for four weeks. And we're just going to trust God that he finds you somewhere else to go. Wow. That's not a part of our ministry and not a part of our church. And it was like, all right, man, like the rug has officially been pulled out from under me. Am I supposed to go? I don't have any money. I don't have what I thought I had there, like a place to stay and a ministry to be a part of. And, you know, all these good things I was looking forward to. Like, what am I actually supposed to do? Like, And like after not sleeping that night and I'm like 24 hours away from 
staying or going. I just realized that it was indeed God who orchestrated everything and got me to this point. Whatever God has for me in Australia, I don't know about yet. So I'm just going to go and I'm going to find it. And so I went and like, it was, uh, it was a defining moment. I obviously a defining moment in my life, like a defining moment in my faith and a defining moment in my like, yeah, just walk with God. Like you're, you're a big God and I can trust you. And like, that means I'm going to put myself in a situation where I got nothing else to rely on but you. I can't rely on finances. I can't rely on people. I can't rely on anything but God and his direction. And, um, and that's what I did. And I think it worked out pretty well. All right. So you're at this point, in your own words, the rug's been pulled out. Yeah. You then board the plane to get to Australia, I'm assuming, correct? Yeah. All That's right. right. So take us, take us on the journey there with you. All right. So I guess like the first four weeks, well, like I showed up with no skateboard. That's how much I guess faith I had, or I don't know. I just didn't have a skateboard. I'm like, I'm here to do skateboard ministry. Anyone got a board? I need a skateboard. Yeah. <laughs> so like the first, the first, um, you know, that community that I stayed with for the first four weeks, they bought me a board, which I was really thankful. I had trucks and wheels. They just got me a deck and some grip tape, which was really nice. awesome. Real quick, and, what was uh, the board that you got? It was like a shop deck. It was like a okay. shop deck. They were like, you could pick any board on the wall. And I'm looking at, you know, like all these really like pro skater boards. And yeah. I just went with, this one's $30. I'm not going to make them pay 80 for for one, you know. It's on, I don't know, um, nothing special. Yeah. Because I ended up giving that board away like a month later. I stayed with them for a month. And then the second month I went to Newcastle, which was a couple hours north. Okay. I stayed at a YWAM base, dude. And that was like, I think one of the hardest months of that season. I paid $50 a week to stay there, which you think like that's really cheap rent. And that includes dinners. You know, like that includes like breakfast and dinner, which is incredible. But in the same side, of the, like in the other side of the coin, I had to do 40 hours of volunteer work. And what they had me doing was like renovating a house. So it was like I was paying $50 a week to work 40 hours of construction, which was gnarly. Like you were getting For you were free. Not not getting paid. No, not getting paid. I was paying to to do that or like paying to be there. Um, so outside of that 40 hours, they had a, a medical ship, which was like this giant 26 passenger sailboat. That's like, I think it was 75 years old. Like it was a really old sailboat, but it had been restored. It was really nice. But they used it as a medical ship to take medical supplies to Papua New Guinea, which is, you know, on top of Australia. Right. And um, they needed 24-hour security. So I would work all day on the construction site. They would put me on a bus and then bus me over to do security, a security shift on the boat. So I'd either be from 8 to midnight 
midnight to 4 a.m. or 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. And then I go back to the construction site. So it was just like, I mean, I was around really awesome, really godly Christian community. And those people were the reason that I could stay that long, as long as I did. But it was so like, every day I'm waking up going, God, when are you getting me out of this? Where are we going now? It was pretty hard. I remember calling the intern leader at Ride Nature and being like, Garrett, what do I do? You know, I'm, what do I do? Can I come back? And he was like, just keep pushing, bro. Don't talk about coming back. Just keep pushing. Trust God. But yeah, I definitely had those moments of doubt. Like, what have I done? Um, yeah. And I think one cool story, I guess, that I'll share during that time in Newcastle is like, there was a competition series, the Australian Bowl competition, like the ABC, um, that came to Newcastle. Uh, and Beaver Fleming, which is like, he's like a Christian, pro Christian skater. He skates yeah. the mega ramp, he rides in Nitro Circus. Like, he came that. to Newcastle. He came to Newcastle. And I remember like messaging him on Instagram and saying, hey, bro, I moved to Australia to do skateboard ministry and I'm in Newcastle and I'm feeling like giving up. And he just was like, let's hang out. So he invited me to come to the practice session of the contest and he introduced me to like a whole bunch of pro skaters. And that was cool. And like I watched the whole session and after we went out and we went and checked out the boat that I was living on because it was like really central to this where the skate park was in the main city in Newcastle. And then he says like, like, you know, he, he took me out to lunch and he bought me like a burger and we sat and we shared testimonies and he just, he told me how encouraged he was to meet me. But really I'm like, you have no idea what it means that you would take like four hours out of your afternoon to walk around and talk with me. It was like, we were on a date. It was almost <laughs> like we went on a date, you know, like uh, we went and got food. We went to the skate park. Then we went, walked around. We went to where I was staying, which was like the remote at the time. Yeah. It was like a skate day. We like walked around. It was kind of romantic. I don't know. But, <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yeah. It was massively encouraging because I'm meeting this world-class pro skateboarder who's a Christian. Like if I could have named you five pro skaters, it would have been a hundred percent. Beaver Fleming would have been on the list. So for him to take the time out to walk with me and encourage me in my walk with God, like was really massive. And, uh, you know, like uh, a week or two later, it, it's coming up on, I'd been there for one month exactly. And I have one month left on the visa before I have to like go to leave Australia. And I was, I had a ticket to go to New Zealand. So I had a month left and I didn't want to spend it in Newcastle. Um, and I, dude, I'd been searching hard for any kind of skateboard ministry, any kind of church with a skate ministry. And I found nothing in all of Australia, dude, I'm finding nothing and coming up short. And then I remember one day somebody told me about a ministry called Red Frog Board Riders, which was, you know, like, I was like, that's a really strange name. Like, I don't know what Red Frogs is, but it's this like, yeah, like a youth organization, like a, 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 a youth mission organization, you know, they, they go out and they, they take care of the youth. Um, and they do that in the skate parks as well. So 
I found out about them and I sent them a message on the website. And then the next day they call me and they're like, Hey bro, like, why don't you come up to Brisbane uh, and stay your last month with us? We'll show you, we have a skate park at our church. It's called the God bowl. And, and when they said that to me, I was like, duh, I'm coming. There's no doubt about it. And like, <laughs> but I was in this situation awesome. where I didn't have, I didn't have enough money to fly up to Brisbane. I was probably like a hundred dollars short or something. And there was a guy in Brisbane who actually like found me on Instagram and talked to me for a while. And he sent me $200, which covered the month of, of rent, like the $50 a week that I was at the YWAM base. So he paid for me to be there. And then I left like two days later up to Brisbane. And I, how I afforded the ticket was I, I had two suitcases and I took like everything that I had and I put it in the suitcase and I just put for sale $1. And I sold like all my clothes, all like I sold my skateboard, I sold my trucks, I sold like my laptop for $25. Like I just gave everything away kept one suitcase, kept enough clothes, and then went up to Brisbane with no skateboard, with nothing, you know? And I get up to Brisbane and I see the skate park and I see the ministry and it just like, um, just made sense, you know? And I remember, I guess like I skipped this part, man, like day one of being in Australia, I wake up and I'm sitting on the porch and I'm praying and I'm like, God, what have I just done? You know? I just made it to Australia. What, what am I doing here? And I remember God saying like, you were the only skateboarder in your entire church. Remember that feeling. Remember how you, in your college ministry, you wanted to do outreach at the skate park and nobody could relate. Remember what that was like. Those were experiences that you had that other people are having. And if those people know that there's other Christian skateboarders out there just like them who want to reach people, you guys will be a hundred times more effective. The, the, um, the reaping will be a hundred times greater if you guys harvest together. And it just like clicked, like I need to start some kind of ministry that connects Christian skateboarders together, you know, and then they go out and reach people. Like I don't need to teach people how to go out and reach their local community. They know how to do that. I need to put in place something that really connects people together. Um, and that was like day one, the vision God had given me for, for my time in Australia. So I uh, kind of put that in my back pocket while I was just trying to survive. And then when I made it to Brisbane, I'm sitting like maybe the second or the third day with, with Justin and his wife, Andrea, and they're telling me, like, they're asking me questions. They're like, well, well, what's your vision for being in Australia? And I say to them, yeah, well, I didn't really have a plan. But when I got here, God told me that, you know, I need to put into place uh, an organization or put into place a ministry that connects Christian skaters together. Um, and then they looked at me like stunned, like, whoa, that's really what your vision is? And I was like, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. And they just said, well, God's given us the same vision to start a ministry called Skate Park Shepherds. But we are, you know, we came up with that idea two years ago and we felt God tell us to wait until he sent somebody with the same vision to, to kind of manage it for us. Exactly. And it, it was, it was a moment of like, it was a goosebumps moment. You just, I goosebumps, you're like, goosebumps. Yeah. It's one of those moments where you're just like, all right, God, there's a bigger picture. 
and I couldn't see it, but this is why I'm in Australia, not to start something in the central coast. It's this. Um, so I really just, yeah, like from there, just trying to figure it all out and trying to make it happen where I could stay and be a part of this. Um, and during that time, like I was volunteering in the Red Frog's office. They have a big like headquarters and I'm volunteering there doing some computer work and like this really pretty girl comes into the room and like she's supposed to be working on the same project as me. And I was just like, really, all of a sudden, like my heart's fluttering. Like I, I'm really nervous to talk to this girl. And I, I like literally, literally put my headphones in and I was like, I'm just going to ignore this. I'm going to not, I'm not doing this interaction. I'm too nervous. But then that girl was just like, uh, hi, hello. Uh, what's your name? You know, she just like was not about to be in the same room as me and not talk to me. So I just started talking to her and we ended up talking for like three hours or like the entire time we were supposed to be there volunteering. We just two or two or three hours, just literally just talking, not even worried, working at all. Like, I mean, maybe just the tiniest amount of work, just I'm telling her my story. I'm telling her how, what God's done and how good he's been to me. And she's telling me about her and how she really wants to learn how to skateboard and how she's like a, a surfer. And I was like, oh, I can teach you how to skate. <laughs> and she's like, well, we could go surfing together. And like from there, we started to hang out and like it kind of blossomed into this really epic relationship. Um, uh, yeah, dude. And like that was one of God's biggest surprises or blessings like had no intention of getting into a relationship, but probably 12 days after I met her, I told her that I loved her. And like, it was uh, beautiful. I don't think I could describe it as anything else, dude. It was just beautiful. And- um, You feel the same way? I guess, yeah. What do you mean? Do I feel the same way? I definitely- No, no. Well, like when you said you loved her, did she feel the oh, same? Because I mean, that's a- She that's said she- she said it right back, dude. She went, I love you too. And, and it was like, we're in this. This yeah. is real. Like, yeah, this is crazy, but this is real. And um, yeah, so the next day, like I, we start dating, tell her I love her. The next day, I got to leave the country. I got to go to New Zealand because oh my I, my tourist visa is ending. And I thought I had a plan. Like, I'll just leave and then I'll come back. I'll get a work visa while I'm there in New Zealand and I'll come back and I was supposed to go and join some people from Red Frogs in New Zealand and they wanted to start a skateboard ministry. So I was like, praise God, I'm going to go to New Zealand and start a skateboard and help start a launch a skateboard ministry. That's, that's wild. Um, but yeah, like I get to New Zealand and I scan my passport and you never expect anything, but for it to light up green, but it lights up red and it says to go to this one like desk. And then the immigration officer asked me how much money I have and I don't have enough. And uh, so then they take me into this back room. They take my phone, they take my backpack, they take everything I have, except I was like, you need to give me my Bible out of my backpack. You're not putting me into a room with, and, and with all of this uncertainty, you need to give me my Bible. So they gave me my Bible and they put me into this room. And for the next seven hours, two different, agents just kept coming in and out asking me questions and interrogating me why are you in the country blah 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 and like at some point i feel like i knew i wasn't getting in so i was just like why are you in this country and i'd be like let's look at hmm 
What does it say right here? The Great Commission. Go into all the world by creating disciples, <laughs> baptizing them in the name of Jesus. Or like Acts 1.8, like I will give you power until the ends of the earth. And I'm like, here I am at the end of the earth in New Zealand. And like, they really did not find it that humorous. They were like, bro, like stop playing games with us. And I'm like, well, I just don't have enough money. And like, they decided they were going to send me back. They came, like, I got there at 7 a.m. And about 5 p.m. They came in with, yeah, we're, you're not getting let in. Um, but where, like, we haven't decided where to send you. You flew with Qantas to New Zealand. And you have a ticket back to Brisbane with Qantas. So we can only send you with Qantas. But, like, Qantas doesn't fly to the United States from New Zealand. So... Like after some deliberation and debating between themselves, they decided we're just going to send this kid back to Brisbane on his return flight. And I was like, I don't have an Australian visa. You can't send me back to Australia without a visa. And the immigration officer was like, you're right. Like if, if you get to New Zealand, if you get to Australia and you, you scan your passport and you don't have a visa, like you'll be deported and you won't be allowed to go back for seven years. Wow. And I was like, well, like, I don't want that to happen. And they went, well, we got to send you. Like, you can't stay here. So I get there Wednesday morning. I'm supposed to leave Thursday night. Thursday night rolls around. They don't have my passport. Like, they've lost my passport somewhere in the airport. So I missed my flight. Oh, caught, which is 24 hours. Like, I, which means, like, I'm now leaving on the Friday night flight, which is, you know, that's into day three that I've been in, in, locked up in the New Zealand airport. But, you know, God had a plan. Like, during that time that they were looking for my passport, this guy comes in and he's panicking. And I got to, like, you know, be a witness to him. Like, you're in the middle of a storm right now, dude. And, like, you know, call out to God. Like, he has the ability to, to calm the storm. And I told him about that story in the New Testament where God, you know, Jesus calms the storm while they're on the boat. And yeah. he, like, he really felt that. And, like, he, he had a moment and, like, he was, you know, then, then all of a sudden the agents came in and went, Hey, you know what? There's been a misunderstanding and you can go. And like, he got to leave and, and I feel like I got to touch, touch him. And like, um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was pretty wild. Uh, and so like on, on the third day, I, I, I rose from New Zealand and flew, <laughs> to, flew to Australia I think you did that. and I was panicking panicking the whole time the whole flight i walk from the plane to the immigration like where you scan your passport and i scan it and i'm just freaking out and it just turns green and i'm like i can walk i can walk through this gate and i can go get my bag and i can enter australia and like never say anything about it but that's not going to work like i i have to go and i have to tell the immigration officer i have to give him the, de the deportation papers and I got to explain the story. Um, so I go up <clears throat> and I like, wait, I was super scared to get in the line. I'm letting people go by me. And then I finally just get in the line and I walk up to this guy and I have my Red Frogs hoodie on. It's got the logo. And I say, hey, look, this is what's going on. I have a girlfriend that's, uh, she's from Brisbane. I went to New Zealand to get a work visa. They deported me for not having enough money. Uh, I'm, I'm, at the mercy of you, bro. Like, what do I do? You know? And 
he uh he kind of like looks at me and he goes oh i know red frogs dude red frogs they're good people like if you're with red frogs i know that you're a good dude like they definitely helped me out when i was at schoolies which is like uh a spring break-esque kind of thing when you graduate high school you're you're 18 and the drinking age is 18 down here so it's like this big like finish high school go party at the beach and the red frogs mm -hmm. they go and they take care of those kids so he knew of the red frogs through that experience that he had had when he had finished high school and he just was like if you're with red frog like that's respect and i know that the lady to my left and the lady to my right they would not do this but i'm going to give you a three-month tourist visa and let you and let you in like wow. they would have sent you back and you wouldn't have been able to come back so got let in. it was it was crazy bro it, it was undoubtedly yeah like undoubtedly a god god is real moment like a miracle i guess you would call it um so in that three yeah. months in that three months i didn't have a lot of resources because i i needed to work because i was running out of money and then then I, I wasn't allowed to work for three months, three more months. So God did a lot of miraculous things involving living situations and involving um, places to to stay and opportunities to just kind of make a couple bucks here and there. Um, and during that time, like Tiana and I spent a lot of time together hanging out. I was involved in the church and like really growing in that community and the ministry and we we planned and we put on an event called the grind to God bowl, which was like, uh, yeah, like it was the launching of the ministry skate park shepherds. We had Christian skateboarders from all over Australia come to the God bowl. And it was like an epic weekend, like three days, worship, skating, like messages. Um, yeah, it was really, really amazing. And like, um one of my uh favorite memories was that was like i knew that right after we had this conference i was gonna leave again and um when i had to leave i didn't know what i was gonna do my my visa was running out and like i didn't know where to go i didn't have much money and i remember like praying and and realizing that I need to go somewhere where I can work. Hawaii is a state that I can work in and it's not that far away from Australia. Like it's mm -hmm. a lot cheaper for me to get a one-way ticket to Hawaii than to try and make it to the continental United States. So I ended up booking this ticket. I had like $400 and it was like $380 or maybe I had 420 and it was $400, something like that. Yeah. And I like, okay, God, this is it. Like, I have to go to Hawaii with no money. And at the conference, like people were praying for me and a lot of people tried to help me find, um, a lot of people tried to help me find uh, a connection or like a place to stay in Hawaii. And I'd reached out to different ministries that I knew of in Hawaii and none of them could give me a place to stay. So it was just looking like I'm gonna have to go to Hawaii and, and figure it out. Uh, which is exactly what ended up happening, bro. I got on the I got on the plane with eleven dollars, no place to stay, no plans. Um, and once I 
like got on the plane, I was super, super scared. Like, wait a second. I'm actually just about to go to Hawaii and be literally like homeless or like, you know, like I got no idea. But I knew like, no, no. So yeah, dude, I was really nervous. And um, when I, yep, but I, I trusted God. And when I was on the flight, it was like a six hour flight and it, it cost $10 to watch movies. So I swiped my card. And so when I landed, I had $1, um, which oh, seems like kind of, seems kind of stupid. And it probably was, but I, I think at that point I was just like, this, like watching a movie is going to make me feel better versus like sitting here for six hours, anxious about what's going to happen when I land. Like, so I landed with $1 and I went to this McDonald's and I got on their Wi-Fi and I submitted everything I needed for my visa application. And once I did that, I just started emailing churches. Hey, this is what's going on. I'm a, I'm a missionary and I'm here I am. I'm trying to figure things out. Uh, eventually, like I get a message from a guy and he says that, you know, he, he works for a Christian man who owns a construction company. And he needs help building a house. Like he needs, he needs laborers building a house for the next three days. Um, so he puts me in contact with the boss. I call the boss. The boss says he's down. He comes and picks me up from the McDonald's. And I have a place to stay that night. And I have work the next three days. So for the next three days, I spent, like I spent building a house. Like I wasn't on Hawaiian vacation. I was just building a house. Um, but what, what became sus or like a, a little bit off was like after the first day at work, we're still in the job site. All my stuff's at his house on the other side of the island. And he says, so do you know where you're staying tonight? And then I say, uh, yeah, man, you said that I can stay with you for three days. Or you said, he said that I could stay with him for a week and that you would give me work for three days. And he goes, oh yeah, I guess I did say that. I get, yeah, all right, you can stay with me tonight. So on the second day, what the heck? We finished. We finished about an hour early our work day. And we go back to his place, and he says, "Hey man, uh, so you know, like you made, uh, you know, a little bit less today, you know. Um, so and it's actually it's it's going to cost you know fifty dollars or seventy five dollars a night to stay at my house." Um, which was not that, you know, that was never spoken until that moment. So basically he was trying to tell me, um, you know, that like he wasn't going to pay me for the second day and that he was going to charge me to stay. And I was just like, hold on a second. You cannot, you can't do this, bro. Like this isn't going to work. Um, and I just, I didn't know what to do, bro. I was on the North side um, of this Island which is away from everything that everything's on the South side. So like literally on a dirt road where his house was. And I just went inside. I went, I'm not staying here tonight, man. And like, you can't do that. You know, that that's not cool. And, uh, I got my bags and I'm, well, he didn't pay me. I had no choice. He gave me a check for a hundred dollars for the first day of work, but he went, Oh, it's $50 a night to stay here. So you actually like owe me $10. Cause we finished an hour early, but I'm not going to ask you that $10. So I had a hundred dollars, but I just went, I'm not staying here. There's no way you can't, you can't do that, bro. You can't claim to be a Christian brother and then take advantage of me in that, in that way. 
Yeah, so, so I'm rough. standing outside of it. I put from the second I put my bag on the street, I'm standing out there, not even a street, this dirt road. I like, I'm like, what the heck am I supposed to do? And uh, then I get a message on my phone because I'm still like in in Wi-Fi range, and it's it's this girl named um, Shannon, and she's like, Hey, Tristan, uh, I heard that you needed a place to stay. Like, I'm here in Hawaii. I'm a part of Red Frogs and like I was here for a friend's wedding, but she got married. So I have like four days, three or four days left of my vacation. Uh, and I've already have all these places booked. If you need a place to stay, you come stay with me. Like, I'm not going to charge you anything. Like, and if you need money, like I'll just buy you some meals. Like it's not a big deal. And like, and I was just like, couldn't believe that I got that message. And I just said, well, yeah, I, but I'm on the north side of the island. Do you have a car? And she went, yeah, I have a rental car, but I'm on the north side too. What's your address? And I, I sent her my location and she was like eight minutes away from me, like seven or eight minutes away. So from the moment I sent my bag on the, on the dirt road, like it would have been like maybe 15 minutes and she pulled up and I put my bag in. And I remember that guy coming out and going, who's this? And I just went, Lord's provision. And I just got in the car and like left. Wow. And, and I was, I was gone, dude. And then I was on Hawaiian vacation. I was snorkeling. I stayed like we, she had, she had a place like right on an Airbnb, right on the beach of where they do like the pipeline contest. So it's like where we had a campfire on the beach and we we're making s'mores looking at the stars. And I was just like, God is too good. Um, Damn. yeah, dude. So, that was a great testimony. And like from going to Hawaii with $1 to seeing what God did um, was, was, yeah, dude, it was really beautiful to, to live it out and to even retell the story just gets me emotional. Um, it feels like so, a blessing that you got, like you get to Hawaii, you have this, like honestly a horrible experience with this guy. And then this other person like is provided for you basically like a ride a place to say and then like basically this like yeah. tropical beautiful location you know yeah like that, absolutely bro. like a blessing to me for like your obedience in my opinion i could be wrong but that's what it no. sounds like yeah i remember kind of waking up and 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 uh like waking up and going for a walk to the beach which was only like i don't know 500 feet and i'm standing on the beach and i just remember god like reflecting on everything that's happened and feeling like god was just saying that like no matter where i go like he'll take care of me um he showed you that time and time again yeah that's right that's right not so, doing no definitely not So, so what happens next? You're in, you're in Hawaii. Do you start another skate ministry? Like, do you get into any type of ministry? What happens now? Well, I went to the skate park when I was in Hawaii and I met this kid and I told him about God and we filmed a little clip together and that's on my Instagram. Um, that's awesome. But yeah, no, I, um, I ended up like, I really, I was, you know, I was still super young. Like I was 20 years old during this time. This is four years ago. And, uh, yes. 
I'm I'm pretty young and like I felt like it had only been six months since I left. So I felt like if I went back to Florida, I'd be some kind of like like people would go, Oh, well, good try, Tristan. You tried to move across the world, but you know, you're back and you don't have any money, so good try. Um and I was feeling like that for a couple of days in Hawaii. And then I, like, I was like, I'll, I'd rather bum it in Hawaii until I get my work visa and then go back to Australia, then go back home and face that. Or like that, that was my fear, face my fear that people were going to think that I'd failed. Um, and then God spoke really clearly to me. And he said, you know, if you did not fail, you're going to go back to Florida and you're going to like, tell the testimony of what it looks like when you trust God with everything you have, when you step out in faith, like you're going to go share that story. Cause that's not failing. Um, it's all a part of my plan. And I was like, all right, God, well, I'm $430 short of a plane to get back home. I need, I need that money. And it was almost as if like, it was a joke because it was like, I said that to God and then like, I instantly got a message, like a, a notification on my phone that Dave Tinker uh, from Wisdom Skateboards at the time sent, like, sent me $230. Inst- like, like the exact amount, the exact moment that I had prayed for it. And like, and he sent it to my Google wallet, which I didn't even know I had a Google wallet account, but that's like the only type of account that I could use that money instantly. Like PayPal would have taken some time. Like, you know, Venmo would have taken a little bit of time. So like, it was like, oh, he sent me this money. I booked the ticket before I even got up from the table. And I booked the ticket for the same day that the girl I was with was going back to Australia. So I had a ride to the airport. So I I could just kick back and enjoy the last three days or two days or whatever I was in, um, in Hawaii. So. I flew back to Florida and I faced the noise and well, it ended up being like a huge blessing. I went and I went to my old job where I used to work a job at my church as a after school care teacher where I'd go after school, I'd play games with the kids, I'd help them with their homework and I'd do a devotion. Um, And I think that's where I got a lot of my training from just practical ministry and like talking to a group of 30 kids is hard, keeping their attention, getting them to learn something. That's hard. Uh, so I think that's where like, I went back and I worked there for a week. And then I went, I worked at my other job with Tim Fake, which I was like, uh, you know, like laboring construction at the theme parks where we build stages or just random things at, at Disney World and like Universal Studios. Um, and then I went and I spent a week at Ride Nature and I told them about all that God had done. And then by that time, like I had made enough working my other jobs that I could afford my flight back to Australia and then I had my visa and then I left. I went back to Australia. I went for a year. Uh, and in that year, you know, God did a lot of great things. He, we had another grind at God Bowl conference. I worked as a concreter. I worked as a groundskeeper. Like I did a lot of odd jobs and God grew me a lot during that time. And then when that finished, like it was time that I had to go back. And the only viable option for me to, to return was on a partner visa, which is $8,000. So I, I was like, what do I, you know, like 
this this is means you know Tiana and I are in a relationship serious you know at that time we've been together for almost two years and she had never met my family or anything so I'm praying and, uh, and you know we decide like we want to take a trip and she's gonna come with me to come see my family and like we we did that dude and it was like a huge blessing um we ended up like while we were in a, still in Australia like I had applied for a job at Camp Woodward and oh man and that's the dream dude I. I got the job like instantly. I told him that I was involved in skateboard ministry and the guy was just like, well, this is a, a good skateboarder. You know, it's not even about my ability on a skateboard. He just was like, this is the guy we want to have around. Um, and then I said, well, I'm coming like with my girlfriend from Australia and she won't have a work visa. Is there any way she can also come? And they're like, well, if she just wants to volunteer her time, like she can come be a part of the camp. So we both ended up uh being able to come to australia or excuse me we both were able to leave australia we flew to florida and then we took a bus up to pennsylvania and we worked at camp woodward for two weeks uh, which was like i think that's when i really started to sink in that god was setting us apart you know like how many guys get to go to camp woodward how many guys get to be in a relationship with a really epic godly woman who is like really good at skateboarding or like challenging because like when we first hung out I taught her how to drop in but Tiana is the kind of person that is so determined and talented and good at everything that it wasn't long before she was just as good as I was at skating transitions and like pushing she pushed me so I just felt really blessed like we get to go to Camp Woodward together and like that is a huge blessing um and I think that's a part of our story that I think only a skateboarder can really appreciate and see God's blessing in that. Um, yeah, can and, I uh, yeah, yeah. real quick? Absolutely. So for like forever is going to end up listening to this, Camp Woodward is like every skateboarder's dream, either to work there when you're a little bit older or as a kid or like teenager to go and skate. It is literally skate camp. You're there for about a week. Uh, they usually have like multiple pros that come throughout the week to like mm -hmm. basically show their face and like all the skateboard the pros are really cool like they're very personable. I've, I've never got to go, but it was a dream of mine. I mean, I've, I used to watch their YouTube videos all the time, uh, so I just wanted to make that clear. Like, what camp would look? Like. They have like a YouTube TV show. Like, it's they're legit. You know, like skate heaven for sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it has been for decades. So for me to get the chance to do that with Tiana was incredible. We had a great time. We had a great trip. Um, she went back to the States. And I think that was like when I started to get really comfortable and, and not like put as much effort into my relationship with God or really like started taking that for granted and almost started to slip back into one foot here and one foot there. And, um, like I had during that time, like, you know, fall into temptation and had smoked weed for the first time in a really long time. And that was something that like, I was like, I'll just keep this a secret and I'll just keep it hush hush. And I won't tell people about it because it'll make my ministry look bad. And like, Dude, vulnerability, it makes your ministry look good. Secrets, yeah. 
like take away from everything and you're not actually building anything like at, and and that was one of the points where i i went wrong and i can definitely like recognize that now and at the time i couldn't recognize it i just was like it's okay like everybody does things wrong and whatever like but yeah dude like it was um a low point i guess or you know a, a learning point and uh you know god did a lot i was i was out of australia for a year and a half so like from june of 2018 to march of 2020 it was coming up on two years that i was in the united states but in the, in that time bro god used me for more ministry opportunities than i could have ever thought possible i i did a lap from florida like to chicago to rhode island back to florida back to michigan like i i lived in michigan for six months i had the opportunity pretty shortly after tiana left uh, in 2018 uh i'm in december of 2018 i moved up to michigan for six months i worked at two different ministries i worked um at battleground skate house which is an indoor skate park in a mall and their mm. skateboard ministry i worked there with matt ray miller from untitled he's like an epic pro and then I also managed my own skate park called Truth Skate Church that was put on, like, run by Kyle Brush, who at the time he had bought the company Wisdom Skateboards from Dave, Dave Tinker. Tinker. Right. So he acquired Wisdom Skateboards. Then he changed the name to Unlikely, um, which is like, it's an epic company now. But yeah, like, I, I lived I've with actually Kyle. met Kyle Brush before, not in person, but like, had a yeah. with him. I. Honestly, at one point, I did kind of want to do what you were doing. Um, yeah. And uh, he just didn't feel like, at the moment, like he could really help me or that it was the right time. Mm. Anyways, that's yeah. not But I have met him before. Cool guy. He's like the godfather of the Midwest skate ministry scene. Like, he just yeah. helps everybody in any way that he can. Like, I called him, and I never met him before. And he, I told him what was going on rough patch going on in my life and he just was like well come up here i want you to manage the skate park this winter we got more hours if you if you come work for me we could have more hours and which means we'll reach more people and i go up there and we ended up opening the indoor skate park in the middle of winter for free we just went we're not charging people we have a low rent we got that covered we'll sell snacks but people can come skate for free so it was just like i was doing skate church and like Dude, it was a huge blessing to go there for six months and really like just it was like God was teaching me about different seasons, you know, because all of a sudden I'm in literally winter. I I'm from Florida, dude. I've never ever seen snow to that capacity. I've never seen a frozen lake. I never seen dude, it was surreal. I've never had a strict kind of stuff too. Michigan is not Michigan, snow and, and ice. We were, we were right on the lake, dude. We were right on Lake Michigan in South Haven, and it was um. You get lake effect snow, which is like they'll pro yeah. project a certain amount of snow, but if you're by the lake, it's like exponentially different. It was um actually so crazy, um, and like there's definitely pictures of that time on my Instagram of like me going out and walking by the frozen lighthouse, like the lighthouse just freezes. And it just looks so cool. It's covered in ice. And um, dude, yeah, God did, gave me a lot of blessings during that time. And it, he made it a lot easier to be away from Tiana just because it was, I had something to, to focus on and something to build. And 
Um, yeah. So my time there was really amazing uh, in Michigan. And then during, you know, after that, I, I got onto a company called Saint Apparel and I rode for them for a year. Uh, they paid me a certain amount of money to ride for them for a year. And it was enough for me to say yes. Uh, so we tried, I tried for a year to help build that brand. And like, you may have seen it on my Instagram. And I know some people are just like, why did you keep posting this like weekly, you know? And it's like, dude, I had to do what I had to do. And, and that money allowed me to travel. Like Tiana came back the following summer and we went to 23 states. We visited 17 different ministries and we took a tour. She flew in from Chicago and we went from Chicago up to Rhode Island with a bunch of stops on the way. And then from Rhode Island down to Key West and then from Key West back up to Chicago. And then we had the grind in the Midwest, which was we had the grind of God Bowl for two years, three years. And then we had a grind in the Midwest, which they actually had another one this year. And like, so that, that kind of vision or the dream of bringing skate ministries together, bringing skate ministers together has really like come to fruition and been blessed. And like, despite all of my shortcomings and despite everyone's shortcomings, nobody's perfect, but in all the ways that God's blessed me and all the ways that I've failed God and I've chosen to, to sin and to, to mess up and like, um, Almost like earlier, I said, like, it's impossible for me to deny him or to not to deny his existence. But I also, you know, I could deny him with my actions. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. Which is real, dude. And like, I think now I'm in a season of my life where I when I came back to Australia in March, this. All right. Last testimony, I guess, like I'd been planning for a long time to, to move back to Australia, March of 2020. Mm-hmm. It was going to be the the end of March. My ticket was like for the 30th or something. And, you know, the, the coronavirus starts shutting the world down. I remember seeing early March, the NBA closed down. And I think that's when it clicked. I remember calling Tiana and going, Tiana, like, I know this is a really stressful time for you. She's like trying so hard, do, working a lot, doing so much, trying to prepare for me to come. And then she's like, I'm going to take a week break. I'm going to go to this place called Yamba where she goes and just like serves. And that's where she can meet with God. And she's like, I'm going to go for a week and then you're going to come and it's going to be great. And like, this was like almost three weeks early that I'm saying, Tiana, if I don't get on a plane in the next three days, I'm not going to be able to make it there. And she was like really hesitant at first because it meant she wouldn't get to go. And like, she wasn't at all ready. Um, but I said to her, like, I just have this strong feeling I need to change my flight. So she gave me the okay. I changed my flight on Monday night. I changed it to Thursday. Tuesday morning, I woke up and I felt Thursday was too late. Like 48 hours from then was too late. So I changed my flight to Wednesday morning, 24 hours from, from that moment. So it's, I'm like, I got 24 hours. I'm, I'm going to Australia. I got to pack my bag. I was in Fort Myers at the time at Ride Nature. And I drove up to Orlando and I just, you know, spent that last 24 hours with my family. They took me to the airport. I fly to Texas. I get to Texas and I'm about 30 minutes from getting on this plane that's going to take me to New Zealand. I lay over New Zealand and then I fly to Australia. Well, 30 minutes before I get on the plane, I hear Tristan Strange. Can you please come up to the gate? 
Tristan Strange, please come up to the gate. I walk up to the gate, this really nice stewardess, she hands me this flip phone that looks like it's from the 19th century. She pulls the <laughs> antenna out so far. She pulls the antenna out like 12 inches and hands it to me. And I'm like, I'm holding this brick and I'm like, hello. And I'm not gonna try and do a New Zealand accent, but it was this New Zealand man, this guy from New Zealand. He's like, hi, I'm an immigration agent here. And I see that you have a layover in New Zealand. And because you were deported in 2017, uh, you actually needed to have acquired a different type of visa. So you're not gonna be able to get on this flight. And I'm like, the world's ending and I gotta get on this flight and I have to get, because it's not like I can call my family. I'm in Texas, like, what am I supposed to do? Well, like, basically he, uh, he says to me, like, you can't get on this flight. I give the phone back and I'm panicking. I call Tiana and she's at a work meeting um, and she does like Christian youth work in schools. So she's with a bunch of other people and actually some people in that group aren't Christians. So mm. she just comes back and she's like teary eyed, like Tristan is stuck in Texas and he's not going to be able to make it. And they stop their meeting and they pray for me and wow. they pray that God would, you know, like a miracle would happen. And then the lady at the gate, she comes up to me and goes, Hey, you know what? Like I heard that United is flying directly to Sydney. So you should probably run to the other side of the airport and go talk to the United people. So that's what I did. Like I ran across the airport and in that, you know, 10 minutes, it takes me, she's like, they leave their flight leaves at 9 45 PM. And it's like 9 25. It's like oh 20 minutes. Gosh. So I, it takes me 10 minutes to get over there. So I run over and I'm at the gate and it's like the flight is full and I'm standing, I'm like talking to this lady at this help desk and I go, this is what's going on. Like, I can't get on this flight because I've been deported from New Zealand. Like, I'm trying to get over there to see my, like, to be with my girlfriend. And, like, I, I don't know what to do, you know? Like, I'm in your hands almost, you know? Or, like, this is obviously in God's hands, but what am I supposed to yeah. do? And she, she's just, she's like, okay, let me see your papers. And as she's typing, I'm just going, it clicks. Like, wait a second. I don't have that much money. Like I had been in a situation a couple of days before where like my card had been stolen. So I'd canceled my card. I was waiting for a new card to come in the mail, but it never did. So I just had to leave without the new card. So I don't have any access to the money I have. I'm trying to fly across the world with no access to my money. Like I'm not trying to spend a dollar and it was nuts, dude. And basically the lady, she just goes like, I was panicking. Like how much is it going to cost? It, it costs a lot of money to buy a flight across the world a month, like this, a month in advance, yeah. a week in advance, the day of, let alone that plane leaves in 20 minutes. I got to get on that plane. How much is that going to cost? Yeah. And she's like, where's your end destination? And I say, Sydney. And she's like, but aren't you going to Brisbane? And I said, yeah. So this lady, she gets me, she goes, would you be okay with an emergency exit row? And I said, 100%, put me on the emergency exit row. I'll take that responsibility. And yeah, man, basically she gives me this, uh, she puts me on this flight. I make it, I get on the flight, I sit down, we fly to Sydney. And Wait, was this about an hour and a half. Yeah, bro. What the heck? 
Yeah. I go, well, how much is it going to cost? She's like, well, I got you. You're on the flight. You're flying to Sydney. And then I got you a connecting flight to Brisbane, which I didn't even have. Even better. And then she, I go, well, how much? And it was like, I was originally supposed to get there at, you know, 1 p.m. on a Tuesday. And I got there at 1 p.m. on a Tuesday, like with all the scheduling, like I got there at the same time. Wow. And yeah, it was, it was a miracle, bro, because she was like, nope, it's not going to cost anything. Don't worry about it. And I was like, thank you, God. Like, what else could I say? You know? <laughs> Uh, basically zach how it ended up we took off from from houston and about an hour and a half into our flight in the air australia announces that they're closing their borders to all international travelers so that gut feeling that i had to change my flight from tuesday from thursday to wednesday morning that was god because if i would have waited until thursday i would be in the states right now but because I felt like lead and like all those miraculous circumstances happened that I flew directly to Sydney and then to Brisbane, I made it. Like I'm, that's, that's my testimony of making it across the world in the middle of the, like while the world's shutting down. It was absolutely wild. I'm literally mind blown. I, I honestly don't know what to say. I mean, and, the, and honestly, this is exactly, I mean, there's, You've updated me basically since the first podcast you, that you did, where you told your whole story. Like I've just, you know, we're in current time right now, and we weren't at the at yeah. that time. Uh, and you know, it's kind of crazy. I heard your story, right, probably right as all this is happening for you. Like that's what yeah. I heard it like days before the world shut down. And so, um, man, I, I'm. I feel like I've just—I feel like I've never even heard your story, to be honest. Uh, hard to retain a story like that. Um, so I'm really glad we did this. But also, I just want to say I'm really encouraged. Uh, one, you speak really, really well. Um, I know you don't tell your story every day, so it's just awesome that you just spit all that out in really good fashion. Um, but I'm mostly encouraged just because, like, I, I feel like I've been in this, like, um, valley, I guess you could say. Not necessarily emotionally, just spiritually. And, um, you know, I feel like as, you know, that now that I'm doing this podcast, I feel like I'm finally doing... I don't know if God's calling me to this. I, I feel like he led me to this. But I'm just really encouraged because you um, you have answered God's call every single time he called. You, I mean, you picked up the phone and you answered and you, you just did what he said. And uh, yeah. so your, your faith is very encouraging. Um, your humility is very encouraging. I just, you're an awesome guy, man. Uh, and I really appreciate you sharing all this. I really don't know what to mean. It's just such a, you, you, this is a very, very unique once in a lifetime story that you have and uh, you can't pick it up. So yeah, I, man, well, go ahead. God is very real. God is very real to me, man. And I think I just, I try and make that evident to anybody that I speak to at any point to my coworkers, to my, 
any random person I'm going to meet at the skate park or who's just going to get to, to know me a little bit, you know, I have to give credit to God because it's, it's him that led me into these things, you know, and uh, I just, yeah, I loved him and I love the, the path that he set me on. And, and it's funny because there's definitely moments like mixed into those, into all of those testimonies where it's like from, you know, the miraculous thing happening in Hawaii to what's gone down in the last, like last March, almost a year from now, a year ago from today. But like, that was almost three years, you know? So I feel like there were some points where I was feeling pretty average, you know, like feeling definitely like, all right, the, the great moments of my life are over or, you know, or like the, the crazy testimony that I have is in the past. That was two years ago. But now some of that stuff's four years ago and I still feel just as excited for God to do great things as I did then, which is encouraging, man. It just makes me feel like, you know, longevity, the longevity that God is going, going to give me is only going to be sustained through my honesty and through my vulnerability and not like trying to hide my mistakes like I've had in the past, but really yeah. just owning my mistakes and going, this is who I am, but this is how God uses me. And like, this is how God changes me and like embracing, you know, God's healing power, embracing the fullness of that testimony of, you know, like. David's story would be really cool if, if it didn't include all of his mistakes, but it's almost the mistakes that you learn from or the mistakes that you can see God's power displayed. You know, he, he's strongest in our weakness. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely am, am wanting to embrace that more. And, and I'm not going to share all the bad things that I've done on the podcast. You know, like that's not really necessary. But, you know, just in my personal life with, with the people that I, yeah, yeah. Even with the people that I walk through in my life, you know, who are in my life now that I walk, walk out my faith with, like I share, you know, I, I'm in a place now where I'm not scared to be vulnerable with them. I think for a while, like I was holding on to, you know, like God does really great things and he's allowed me to have this great story. So I can't be vulnerable and tell them about the things that I'm struggling with because it'll take away from that. Yeah. And that's not the case. So if anybody's listening to this and they feel like, you know, they can't be themselves and they can't fully, you know, confess their sin, like don't believe that lie, you know, come out, be truthful about your mistakes, your shortcomings, because that's where God's going to heal you. That's where you need to heal. You. Amen. Bro. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me on and giving me the opportunity to share my story, man. I hope whoever's listening to it is uh, impacted for good, impacted for God. And if you want to buy one of those Valshall Scapes t-shirts, hit me up or hit Zach up <laughs> and we can make that happen. Um, I want to, I just want to say your story is a reminder that God is a living God. And yeah, when I think about that, I think about like, I can't, so, and I'm not, I'm not calling any specific person that I know out at all. All I can say is that I know people, you know people, we all know people who don't believe in God. That's totally fine. Like some people weren't raised to believe that. Some people have had experiences that have led them in that direction to where they believe that. Like I respect you 
no matter what you believe, I love you no matter what you believe, no judgments here. I just want to make that clear. But your story to me, and I, I want this to be relayed to anybody that might hear this, that is either on the fence about God or they just flat out don't believe. I, I want them to know that God is a living God. And this is probably not the third time I've said it, but the reason why I say your testimony is living proof of that is because I think those people could say, you know, maybe Jesus was a real person and, and whatnot, but like he's dead now and like he never rose from the grave. But like, I personally believe that God sent him and he as a human was able to understand the human condition while still fully being God and paid our penalty uh, for our sins, even though he was free of sin on our behalf. He died, he died on our behalf so that there would be this veil or this, this door that was closed between us and God could now be opened. And that is like the biggest act of love ever in the world. And the point that I'm getting at, sometimes I can be a little slow to get to my point, but my point is, is that he died and he raised from the grave. And while he may not be on this earth, his spirit is, and your life living testimony that his spirit is in you and it's living and it's leading you. And all of these things that you did, like, sure, you, you had to do certain things, but also like so many doors were opened up for you that like you weren't opening up those doors. They were being opened up for you in very impossible scenarios. And that me, it just reminds me that God is living. He is not this like thing in a book. He's, I mean, I guess you could say he's this thing in the sky, but he's living and he's just waiting for those who aren't already living their life for him to live their life for him. And I, you know, I really do hope that, you know, people hear this story and all the other stories that are going to come through this podcast or already have come through this podcast. I really hope they hear it and they, they can tangibly see that God is a living God and he loves each and every person he has created, whether they believe in him or not, whether they're for him or not. So, um, you know, I want to end with that. We are kind of out of time given our Zoom call that we're on. We only get a certain amount of time for this. So, man, like, uh, you know, I hope to chat with you after this for a couple more minutes once the, once the Zoom ends, but uh, or once our recording ends. But I just want to say I, I really appreciate you taking your time. I know you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And uh, your testimony, you know, it's current and up to date, but let's revisit this in a year or two, man. And uh, you're it's not over you're you're not done and i'm not done bro no not yeah. close. exactly so thanks again man this is the second last podcast with uh me and my good buddy tristan strange thank you thank you god bless